0: Good evening and welcome to Pod 57 of Total Football Debate. We've had our own bit of crisis the last few weeks, um, still slightly depleted, but we are we are back, um, well we've got one back, uh, we've got Scott still on daddy duty, hes still down by the seaside, and unfortunately for tonight we've probably got quite the glory hunting Guna that's probably going to have a bit too much to say but cookie nonetheless is back with us uh of the,
1: the glory hunting hey come on now come on the former man united
0: i feel like i feel like cookie on his first pop back is going to have a bit too much to say about a number of things so um We'll just wrap that up, uh, that one there. Um, I assume you're doing all right. And, um, yeah, you, you've done all We're all
1: good, this, fella. You're... We're all
0: good. Good, good. I'm glad you are. I'm glad you are. We'll leave it there because I think it's going to be uh, difficult to shut you up this podcast, to be honest. I've got a funny feeling, judging by the, um, well, judging by your comments in general over the last couple of weeks, um, you're going to be a pretty hard guy to please. So we'll crack straight into it. Again, we'll cover the... Um, televised games, um, and then we'll go through Fantasy Premier League, or lack of success for some people in that one, um, and then we'll go through the other games as well. So, first things first, I am going to go in order. So we'll start with Saturday, and we'll start with Tottenham, who came out on top, 1-0 against Wolves. Um, Wasn't a simple game by any stretch, um, uh, but nonetheless, they did get the win. Um, it was a test and they got through it, which is already better than last season. I have to say I didn't fully watch the game, I've only seen key highlights. But what were your thoughts, Cookie, going into the game and post-game? Talking
1: mode uh, at the minute, not they? They're just in third gear and feeling their way back to fitness, aren't they? They're just kind of teasing everyone at the minute. <laughs> in fairness, in fairness to Wolves they made it difficult for them. In the middle of the park, Benton and Hoyberg didn't have it all their own way. They had to play their way into this one, especially on the wings as well. I found that, well, the guy that we're linked with and that new uh, Neto and then that new boy, Nunes, made quite the impression in that midfield alongside Nevers. I feel, yeah. I mean, 50 million quid is a lot of money, but... Big signing, big prospect for them. I mean, yeah, they did look like they're. they're we know what they're missing. They're missing a the number nine up top that can put the ball in the net. Creating chances is not the problem.
0: Yeah, I think with Wolves, to be honest, um, it's a carry on from last season. They just, you know, they did well to restrict Spurs, as you say. They controlled the midfield. Um, they did. They had no problem creating chances. I think they actually created around about kind of twenty chances on goal, um, but. I think it's 10 league games without a win now in the last 10 games in the league. So obviously it's only three in this season, but they are having a bit of a hangover um, from last season Wolves. And it is um, in the same areas attack. um, They are creating chances, but they're just not putting the ball in the net, which was their Achilles heel when, you know, they were gunning for Europe um, last season. So, Work to do on that front. Um, Spurs, I agree with you. Um, Slow starters in regards to, you know, they took a while to get into the game. It wasn't until the second half I felt that they really kind of pushed on. Um, Obviously, Son and Kane did also, um, as they were putting the pressure on, did hit the woodwork. So they had a couple of chances before they actually did break the deadlock. But, um, you know, they did step up the intensity. And it was a story of two halves. You know, first half, Spurs just weren't in it at all. But um, as, the game, as the game went on, they grew into it. And weren't the magic came, the main guy, stepped up again, got the goal. And look, at the minute for Spurs, they'll look at that. That's three games in,
1: seven points. Um, not played very well. And they're in the mix, aren't they? Where exactly. others haven't done so well. So and they'll it, take it all day long. Exactly, and if you look
0: season on season, I think they lost to both Southampton and Bulls last season, so they're already yes. six points off, and also they lost to Tottenham as well, so they're already kind of seven, these seven points mean they're already against those teams anyway, seven points off better um, than what they were last season, and they're getting results and not playing well, which...
1: Was a bonus, could, isn't it? Well, always yeah,
0: you, you could look at it twofold. It could be a concern because, you know, they might drop points, but they're not dropping points and they will reach a peak. And, you know, you'd back them to get results when they reach that peak as well. So not necessarily a bad thing there as well. Um, Favourable uh,
1: fixtures coming up as well for Tottenham. I
0: mean, yeah, Forest well,
1: the, on Sunday, West Ham. I mean, West Ham ain't playing well. No. You know, they've got they've got a good chance to get a bit of form before Man City as well, next three. So. This is it.
0: And, you know, you can't underestimate that. Um, that is a major, major... Um, momentum is a big thing, whether you're playing well or not. And I think that's, um, you know, kudos to them. One big talking point for Spurs. So, one Harry Kane also reached a landmark. So... He scored the most goals for one club in Premier League history. Yeah, so great he, trophy to have. He is. <laughs> sense a bit of bitterness there. Now, now. Um, 185 goals. So, he edged ahead. He's in good company. There's, you know, five top five. Shearer, 148. Ormri 175. Your guy. Uh, Wayne Rooney, 183. Aguero, 184. And then Harry Kane now comes in at 185. Um, look, regardless of trophies at the club, That's an outstanding achievement and probably says more more about the player as well, because he's not always had the quality around him. So, you know, he's kind of, if you look at the likes of City and Liverpool over the years, they've got the ammunition to support their strikers. Spurs haven't ordinarily had that. And, you know, Kane's developed his game as well. He's not your natural number, not like you look at the progression of those players that are in there. Shearer was an out-and-out number nine. Ormourie was a winger converted striker. Rooney was your kind of out and out centre forward. And then as he got older, he kind of, you know, played deeper. Aguero was an out and out centre forward full stop. And Harry Kane is a kind of number 10. Well, I'd argue he's more of a number 10 than a traditional number nine. So, you know, when you look at those numbers, um, phenomenal. And added with his England achievements. Um Good for them. So hopefully that's him back on the trail run, and um, you know, great start for them uh, this season, which I'm sure, well, I would have said added pressure to your game come the 5:30 kick off because then it was over to the other side of North London, and um, it went true nice. to foot, it went true to form, to be honest, didn't it? I didn't expect Bournemouth to get a result, if I'm completely honest with you, and um, they didn't surprise or shock because. You started as you mean to carry on, didn't you? To be honest,
1: I mean they've started the season on fire. Jesus up top has got points to prove, not just to Man City but to the league itself. You know, there was always doubts of whether he's number nine. I was one of them. I thought he was—he's more of a winger, but he, he seems to be adapting to this number nine role very well. If you know, go and have a look at that first goal and what he did. Put centre backs on their bums, turning others inside out. And he's got that final ball on him as well. I mean, he's just, he's been phenomenal so far. I mean, yeah. he's got the talent around him, the young talent who seem to be feeding off him as well. I mean, Martinelli stepped up this year, he started really well. Sackler, not so much, but it will come. We haven't seen Fabio Vieira yet, which is an unknown quantity as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we we should see. But yeah, Bournemouth for just these are the games you just turn up and just do what you can. You know that these are not the games that are going to save you from relegation. You know, I mean, they're just turning up, give up their all in front of their own fans. You know, and try and do what you can. But in fairness to Arsenal. Within 10 minutes, it was 2-0 and it was game over. So that's what we've got to have about us this year. We've got to have that ruthlessness. And your honest thoughts
0: on where Arsenal are at? Are you reading too much into it at the moment?
1: Oh, God, no. We're still in a battle for fourth, aren't we? It's still a top four it's battle, it's... Oh,
0: Oh, that was very humble it's of not... you
1: because you I, can... I, I quote, I quote, I still have to rub my eyes when looking it's at this frightening, table. Because right? we haven't done this in what since the nearly vincible team. Is it frightening though
0: that you're top after three games given the games that you've had?
1: <sighs> yeah, I, I still say it's a massive, massive coup to go to your place and win. Like you what you what you did to Vit no, what you did to Villa, I will go into that later. But our team's gonna want to go to Crystal Palace. You know, Leicester in years gone... By, I know Leicester are on the way down, it seems. But you still look at that team on the field and you think, well, there's, there's, there's winners in that team. You know, it's, it has been the fixture list, has been kind. And obviously, seeing others drop points and start very slow. I mean, I alluded to one of my tweets that only the top eight have got more than mm. five points, which is quite weird. But it shows how difficult this league is.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I asked that question to play devil's advocate because there's a lot of excitement, obviously, in the media about Arsenal at the moment. My honest opinion, not to be difficult and not because you're no. an Arsenal fan, you, you're right here, but, you know, your top spenders in the transfer window, I think, so far, if I'm not mistaken. Chelsea have gone over.
1: Or, well, but they were. Arsenal were for a long time. Yeah.
0: So, Okay, say second to Chelsea in terms of transfer spending. First three games played, away to Palace, which, yes, traditionally has been a tough game for you, but given the players that you've brought in, you'd like to think after pre-season there's a bit of progression there. Um, Leicester, I take your point, that is traditionally a difficult game, but they've been in free fall Mm -hmm. now since the end of last season. Um, So that's three points, I expect, and then, you know, Bournemouth being Bournemouth, no disrespect to them. So I think, look, Not criticism because all I'm saying is I think you've done what you're expected and should have done given what those three fixtures were. So, and that's what the and the thing is for me, Uh, if that meant if that mentality is, um, oh, you know, Palace that was that was a great result because we normally drop points there, given the level of spend and the fact that you've got Syshenko and um and Jesus in there now. I think the mentality changes. I think those two alone bring that winning mentality. And I think, you know, you can tell in Arteta and the way he speaks about the squad now and just the general kind of vibe, you know, if you're Arsenal football club and we've got Jay Jays and we've got these top players that we've brought in, we go to Palace and we win that game because mm. yes, Palace is a tough place, but the likes of City, Tottenham and Liverpool don't go to Palace and they'll expect it to be tough, but you'll never say, hear them say, oh, that one, you know, we'll be glad if we come away with a point there or whatever, you know, it's one of them. So um, I, I, I'm going to say, look, I, I think they're playing great football. I think the resurgence of Saliba is going to be massive for you this season. However, I am going to tamper the kind of media buzz on it and say still a bit to go yet because, like as you said, it's the... um the first couple of games against the big boys that will be the acid test to how they now it's, the, it's
1: the European games, it's the you know, three games in a week, it's you know, and they're tougher games as well. And involved in that, you know, but I think it's the media are obviously young, singing Arsenal's phrases mainly due to the fact that others are really struggling. What's success, you know, kind
0: of, what success for Arsenal look like this season? If Arteta uh, was to keep his job, what's the remit this season?
1: It's got to be Europa League final. I mean, I'd want to win it. I think we've got to look to win it. And you've got to be pushing for that fourth spot, even possibly even stay on the coattails and lights likes of City and that for as long as possible. 70-plus points, I'd say. Interesting. Interesting. But Again, that's down to others' failure at the minute. Of why we're getting so much praise it's kind of been overshadowed because you say oh we're expected and you're right we are expected to win it but that says that we've done our job and the rest of them haven't which is why they're where they are now
0: and that's and i I do agree with you on that i think you've won the fixtures that you'd expect to win and i think others around you haven't so and we'll come on to that because there was more (laughs) prime examples of that <laughs> now, now brace yourselves for this one ladies and gents because I feel like someone's tongue is about to run away with them but this is none more so demonstrated than the next game um, I only saw the key highlights of this admit, but from what I saw in terms of the commentary and what was going on it seemed like an absolute shit show and shambles to be honest um, Leeds 3 Chelsea 0 And if you haven't seen the results and you've been living under a rock for the weekend and this is the first time you're hearing the results, yes, I haven't got that the wrong way round. That is Leeds three, Chelsea nil.
1: Over to you, Cookie. Discuss. Uh, Let's let's start with Leeds and their good start to the season first. Let's start with them. I mean, they're sitting on seven points and thinking, right, we're not this ain't going to be the same as last season. We're not in a struggle. What that Jesse March has done to turn it around and get them playing is full credit to him. You know, they've backed him. They've got a couple of American boys, which, you know, traditionally American players in our league don't necessarily do the best. But he's got them looking quite good. You know, you've got that Adams in, you've got that Aronson. Rodrigo, I mean, Rodrigo started the season like a house on fire with four goals already. I think he only got four or five last season, didn't he? So he's already... Yeah, exactly. He's already they, a, they made him as a number nine. They've turned him into a number nine. And he's reaping the rewards off the feet of Dan James. They pushed Dan James out to the wing, which I think is his natural position. Yeah, Jack Harrison will run all day long for you. You know, he's got to just be up there and just do what he does. Um, they look a little bit more strengthened defensively as well. You know, apart from obviously last week in Southampton where they crumbled a little bit, and you think, oh, going into Chelsea could be a bit of a shambles. But they look solid.
0: I mean, I got to admit, I was one of those that had them down for relegation struggle this season. I didn't think, I didn't think the coach would last. I wasn't sure on their recruitment either. Scott's been a big advocate of their recruitment, Mm -hmm. to be fair, particularly um, Aronson as well. And he's, to be honest, he's got that spot on so far. Um, The resurgence of Rodrigo. um, I can't remember someone being like, you know, he wasn't that influential last season at all, from what I remember. As I say, I think he only got three or four league goals all season. Um, Harrison, now... I wonder if Newcastle will be slightly kicking themselves because earlier at the start of the transfer... They wanted him
1: badly, didn't they? They were pushing for him. They did.
0: And I think they were, quote, Mm. £35 And, you know, Newcastle fans balked at that price and said, no way, it's just Leeds Leeds in a position where they
1: don't need to sell because of Rafinha, For me. Well, this is it. But the other thing as well with Jack Harrison,
0: he had a significant impact on the way they played the last couple of seasons in the Premier League. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's a very much, for me... He's a workhorse. Well, if Palace weren't to get Conor Gallagher again, Jack Harrison is the type of player you would want. want. Um, Mm -hmm. And none more so demonstrated in this game. You know, he got a goal and he got an assist. Um, So he, you know, £35 in this market and we're going to be talking a lot about valuations, I feel, when we uh, come on to Chelsea in a second so before you kind of jump in there <laughs> we we'll come on. on to that um, but you know he's a tidy player and whatever Marsh is doing is working at the moment yeah. and they were yeah. more than convincing um, the squad's there I think he's got it. a bit
1: more of a strength and squad depth as well I know he's got a lot of injuries at the minute with the likes of Ailing. Out. I mean Bamford's been missing for a year or so so it's no great miss to him at the minute but Again, if he can find the form from two years ago, you've got another, you've got another option there. I mean, yeah, they look, they look in decent shape.
0: No, they do. They do. Talking a decent shape, then, leads us in quite nicely, and this could be quite... I mean, I know you're going to have a sharp tongue when it comes to this, but, and I'm not singing here, but Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. What on earth? is going on with Chelsea. Um, I, I mean... Dumbfound, I, didn't it? I kind of said this last week. I, I honestly cannot pinpoint the direction they're trying to go in here. I, I, I mean, over to you, because I know you've... I, I, I,
1: I, I don't... I, I just don't know what what is the direction. I mean, today... They're willing to pay sixty million for Anthony Gordon. Is it Gordon? Yeah. What? In what frame of mind does that owner look at it and think, right? I've got ZX Pulisic, Hudson, Adoy, Sterling, and I think, right. Do you know who I need? Anthony Gordon. What? I don't. It confuses me and frustrates me because they need a number nine. They need a this Champions League pool that players that saying that Man United have got or you know Liverpool have got that players want to go there. Yeah, I get that. The Chelsea are a big club in name in the last whatever twenty years, but the names they're linked with and the prices they're willing to pay are just out of this world. The- out of this world. I mean, for Farna, they want a world record deal, Leicester, and they're going to get it because that owner is so stupid, he will pay it because he's negotiating these deals because he's sacked all his backroom staff, the ones that have been in the club for so long and know it inside out and know how football works. I mean, I don't... The defendants, I've said this about Koulibaly, he's not... He's 31 now. He's passed his best, I believe. He's been in Italy this whole time, and now he's chosen to come to the Premier League at 31. All right, he started off okay. He got found out. Mm, Massively yeah. found out. 100%. 100%. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And, I mean... The goalkeeper's having a bit of a howl. He's, he's out of form, Mindy. He's all of a sudden lost a little bit of confidence. I mean, you see that with the Leeds first goal. I mean,
0: I, mean, I don't I mean, I've got to be honest. I never understand, regardless of the setup and the agreed way to play, which is normally play it out from the back. But if you're under pressure in that scenario, boot it. Precisely. I, I boot don't, it. As a professional footballer. I know the remit is probably play it out from the back, but surely in that remit, there's a thing to say if you're under pressure and you can't find an outlet and you're about you'll be impressed. Then you, if in doubt, hoof it out. That old adage. Like I don't understand the thinking behind that. Um, I mean,
1: their midfield is still they haven't improved. That that's the same as last year. Well, this George is
0: genius. Let, let's discuss this, right? Let's discuss kind of Chelsea situation with the squad because we've discussed Leeds and the performance and how well they played. Chelsea, obviously, really bad. But as part of that, the bigger context in the background is obviously that they're kind of the money that they're spending, which is big money, and their recruitment policy. Now, I alluded to this last year in regards to Lukaku, that it would either be Lukaku or Tuchel that goes, and it was Lukaku that ended up going out the door. Now, you know, you look at the business they've done in the summer. They've bought in Cucurella, who, I mean, big money—sixty-three
1: money. million. Uh, oh, I
0: mean, Ugh. look, and, even I mean, was, you've
1: got a time on to turn around and say Brighton have done well with that one. <laughs> hundred,
0: well, hundred percent. And they've also bought in Raheem Sterling as well, and also the youngster from Villa who was highly courted across Europe. I think um, Carney oh, Chuka-wenga, Chuka-wenga, Yeah. Mm. yeah the current situation that we're talking about here because it's in the news so that's the two the three signings excuse me that they've brought in since then also in the summer they've had the addition of broger who had a decent productive loan spell out in southampton at southampton and they've had conor gallagher back as well um now here's the thing for me obviously the big talking point at the moment is anthony gordon from everton and They're happy out of nowhere it came that they were happy to spend 60 million pounds on Anthony Gordon. Now, to put that into context, the impact he's had at Everton so far: 52 appearances in the Premier League. This is Premier League only, 52 appearances, 52 appearances, three assists, and four goals. Now, my problem with this is. If Anthony Gordon is the answer, what question are Chelsea possibly trying to answer through signing him? Because they've signed Raheem Sterling, who's a wide forward. Mm. They've got Brozier, who's a natural centre forward, who had a productive loan spell at Southampton and proved that he could cut it at this level.
1: Kai Havertz is like a false nine. Well, he?
0: Kai Havertz was one of the most sought-after tens. He was a number ten when they bought him. He attacked yeah. midfielders, but as you say, plays a false nine. They've got Callum Hudson-Odoi, who they fought tooth and nail to keep because keep. Bayern Munich were ready and willing. And granted, he's had fitness issues and injuries, but that's he's how got he be- he's got the talent to be. You know, he's got the potential. They bought Zayek in for decent money. Now, he hasn't been oh. consistent, but, you know, he, he's got the ability, potentially. You've got Connor Gallagher, who had his most productive season ever last season, in that pivot role between attack and thing. And then you've got Mason Mount. And then you've got Pulisic and Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Now, Some of those, you'd argue, are midfielders, right? But Tuchel clearly doesn't play people in their natural positions. And all of those players I've mentioned kind of play attacking-wide or, you know, false nine or or centre-forward, right? Now, my point, going back to the main point I wanted to make is, are Chelsea, or more specifically Thomas Tuchel, systematically failing in regards to the players and squad they have if they feel like Anthony Gordon is the answer and should be ahead of the likes of Ziyech, Pulisic, potentially Havertz, Conor Gallagher, Brozier, Sterling and Hudson-Odoi. Because for me, what I don't understand is I've seen Anthony Gordon play for Everton and he's young and he's tenacious. But normally when a club like Chelsea comes along and spends £60 million on that kind of player it's because he can come in and make an immediate impact. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't see that logic. I I don't see where he (laughs) fits. He's behind
1: every single player you've just listed in terms of ability and
0: coming into this team. And and I've seen them loosely linked, Chelsea, and this may or may not be official, but I've seen them loosely linked with the likes of Wilfred Zaha. Now, granted, Zaha is 29 or 30, but he's experienced and he's at the peak of his powers at the moment. And when you look at Anthony Gordon and Zaha <laughs> in isolation...
1: That's it's not even a good contest. <laughs>
0: but I, I just... I don't understand where Chelsea are going with this. And Scott, <laughs> Scott, made a similar, thought- Scott made a similar point to the point of Everton, is I don't understand where Chelsea are going with this recruitment in regards to Anthony Gordon... And likewise for Everton, I really don't understand, in a situation where they entertain selling him, I'm not sure they know what direction they're going in, because as Scott rightly points out, £60 and Simon Jordan said this on TalkSport earlier this afternoon, bloody take the money and run. Bloody take it. But Everton... The legion's short. Well, they are. They've already got rid of Richarlison. They gave yeah. Anthony Gordon the number 10 shirt. And as Scott says, they've got to reinvest that money. But also, in giving number 10 to Gordon, clearly the plan was, wasn't to sell him. And then all of a sudden, Everton have lost two massive players because, granted, his stats aren't great, right, but is definitely probably the best outlet Everton have in terms of attack and threat at the moment. Now, just before we came on air tonight, it's been leaked from TalkSport, supposedly, that um Everton have asked for Conor Gallagher or Brozier to be included on loan as part of a a part of a deal. But so twofold really, I don't get where he fits for Chelsea. I honestly don't. And as for Everton and where that leaves them, that gives them nine that what we got about nine days left of the window. So it gives them the best part of a week, assuming the deal isn't done in the next 24 to 48 hours, to go out to market and find probably a couple of players to replace because they've also lost Richarlison at the same time, let alone the other areas they need to address. So, in many respects, it doesn't make sense.
1: I just uh, want to know who's making these decisions. Is it the owner who wants these players? Is it too cool? Because he's clearly gone mad at the minute with some of the things he's coming out and saying.
0: Well, He's, he's, been,
1: uh, he's definitely a man under pressure at the minute. Where does it leave...
0: I mean, when you look at Sterling, he's been there three games now. He's not. He's got one assist, no goals, and he's not no been goals. particularly impactful. Um, where does this leave Chelsea? Because there's only so much failure in the squad. Sco- and the other thing that baffles me is, if Anthony Gordon is the answer, are they saying that the youngsters that they supposedly highly rate in their academy are not good I'm enough not good to enough. get back up to these players?
1: Mm. Yeah, it's definitely a strong statement to say, look we don't think you'll fit the bill, we're going to spend such and such on a guy who don't we think does fit the bill. But also, that means a lot of pressure for the kid himself as well, at 21. And like you said, his game, what was it, 50-odd games and only four goals, three assists? Mm. And be worth 60. That's a big price tag on your name there. I mean, That's yes, big.
0: Personally, in my opinion, it says a lot about Chelsea that Pulisic, oh, yeah. who's highly regarded... Can't get a game. But when he has had a run of games, he's done pretty well for them. You know, Zayek came in from, was it Ajax? And was very yeah. productive in the beginning and hasn't been able to reproduce at Chelsea. Havertz, we all know, was widely courted. Has come to Chelsea. Haven't been able to get the best of him. Conor Gallagher, he's had two loan spells. His best loan spell last season at Palace. He's come back. And Tuchel's not even playing him in the right position he was playing at Chelsea. They've reverted to putting him in a deep-line play. What maker. was the point of
1: that year loan spell for Colonel Gallagher? If you send him out on loan to play in his natural position, you mm. think, oh, OK, I'm going to bring him back and play him there.
0: Yeah, so that's four players that they've failed with. hudson Adoy. they've never been able to get a tune out of and a dime out of. Brozier, they feel the need that he's probably not good enough to lead the line or give him a chance to. So that's six players. Um, and then you've got Raheem Sterling that's coming. So... All these players... I mean, there's four... or 5 I'll just name six, but there's probably Sterling... More and Sain, than He's only three games in. But the rest of those players, Chelsea have systematically failed over the last couple of seasons. And that's under two shells rain. And Yes, he got to a Champions League final and one. Yes, he's gotten to a couple of cup finals, but he has not evolved that squad. And questions for me have to be asked if Anthony Gordon is the answer at 50, 60 million... Everton are entitled to pay ask for that price because it's their key player. But if he's the mm. answer, when Chelsea have this abundant of talent, then I don't they're know. Looking
1: at, but I'm looking at defensively, we will talk a lot about Gordon, but they, they're they looking at spending nearly up to £80 million on Wesley for Farnham at the back. So who comes out at the back? Thiago Silva or Koulibaly, who you've just signed? Probably silver,
0: but also Maguire's been mooted as well. I mean, what does that say, Harry Maguire? What does,
1: yeah, what does that say? I mean, he's gone from one show to, to, to another, is not he? I mean, that's going to do his confidence the world of good. Tuchel, is Tuchel the answer? Is he got a plan for this Chelsea team? It just doesn't look like it. So do you sack him?
0: Interesting. Uh, and on that note, I think we, we covered that pretty well. So... um we will put that there because we could go on for a few more minutes, but I think um, I think we've done that justice and uh, you've got your point across. And I know if anyone follows Cookie on Twitter, you'll see that um, he's a big advocate of speaking out against Chelsea. So this is just a little snippet of, uh, I'm sure, oh, half of what you could awesome. say. Um, just quickly then, a um, couple more games to cover, starting with uh, Everton Forest, uh, 1-1 draw at Goodison. Um Arguably, probably a decent result for Forrest away from home. Um, Everton again. I mean, they were, went a goal down and got the equaliser, but again, they're struggling. You know, that's we all predicted Everton would struggle if they sell out. Mm-hmm. You said about Gordon and if he leaves, um, when does it
1: leave them? I mean, Forrest to adapt, they're starting to you know feed their way to probably that's a good point away from home for them and they're back all down there because. I think they'll be directly competing with Everton this year down there. So that's a good point away from home. For them.
0: Yeah, and I think for Everton, for me, it's they need attack and reinforcements. They need reinforcements up front. And if Gordon goes, that's going to become more urgent. Um, Fulham, Brentford. Now, I mean, phew, where good to game. start with this one? Into? I mean, brilliant game, five goals. Um, Fulham 2-0 up. Brentford pull it back to 2 all, And then Mitrovic... Strikes at the death and takes the game away from Brentford.
1: I said my bit on Fulham last week, but what were your thoughts after that game? Oh that's, that's a bit of a blow for Brentford. You think they're on the up Man United in the way they did. You go into a game against Fulham, you think, okay, we we should we should should get three points here, but Fulham have proven themselves to be more of a tricky customer this year this time round. You know Mitrovic has started off well, and he look. To be fair, to me, he looks more threatening than, than he was last in the Premier League. He looks like he's a bit more sharper. Um, they got Andres Pereira in, who's causing havoc. Um, yeah, they just look a little bit more up for the challenge this year, Fulham.
0: Yeah, they've um, they've surprised me a little bit because I, I mean, they I think they're both people's favourites to go down. To be honest.
1: Um, I mean, but... they still could go down. I mean, they are riding the wave of a very good start so far. I mean, first game of the season against Liverpool, they deserved the draw, yeah, arguably. And then they've just kept on riding the wave. I mean, inevitably, when they get the first loss, it could be open the floodgates a little bit. We don't know. But for now, points on the board, yeah. big, big deal. Yeah, massive, massive for them And obviously Silver
0: before the season His body language wasn't great And what he was saying wasn't great But they've turned that round And uh, as you say, they're riding the wave at the moment um, As for Brentford They'll feel, I should think, slightly hard done by Because they did have two disallowed goals From Tony mm-hmm. as well But as you say, it was one of those games And, you know, Fulham Again, you were talking about surprises And people not taking points where they should Or teams picking up points where they maybe shouldn't arguably one of those games again and Fulham are doing the job at the minute. So I'm sure they'll be happy. They obviously they have to do more on the transfer market because I'm sure as the season goes, they'll struggle with bodies. Um, And obviously we've got that thing called the world cup coming up in November as well. So that could, the break could do them a good or it could do them an injustice there, but so far, so good. Um, and I guess as each passing and week goes, they get results with now the end of the transfer window. It eases the pressure a little bit and gives them mm-hmm. an ample opportunity to get some players in. So um, big three points there. And Mitrovic, so far, showing, dare I say it, a bit of maturity and experience when it comes to centre-forward play. So maybe this is the season where he finally breaks his Premier League duck and um, gets into double figures for the season. Um well, that's the first segment done. On to, um, well, onto our Fantasy Premier League. As you know, the the lads here with um, Fantasy League going on here, three weeks in, I again have had an absolute shocker. Wilfred Zaha on the bench. Um, Cookie, you'll be pleased to know, well, Mitch aside, who's in our league as well, who's not involved in the pod as such, but he is top, but you, in terms of, Pod members are top. You are in second place. You've got a respectful 55 points this Start the season quite well, I have. It's, I mean, Saliba, 14 points. War well,
1: Prowse and Andres. Pereira as well. That was a good shout. Um, he come in, actually. I actually I made a mistake. I had Fafana, but how Premier League does it, they kind of... Um, if someone doesn't play or start or doesn't play at all, they kind of sub yeah. for ones in the front. So well, ironically, you. I had Pereira as my number one.
0: Well, lucky you, lucky you. So, I'm pleased for you because I unfortunately... Didn't you didn't? Have luck. <laughs> no. Kossi um, is second to you. He's in fourth place uh, in the league. He's second to you. Um, I'm in third. And thankfully, my mistake... Didn't quite cost me too much. Scott is currently last, although how he maneuvered this one, I do not know. He had Zaha on his team, but he also has the confidence to put Jean Philippe Mateta up front, <laughs> which is mental. And he's still got five points because he actually did score against Villa. So
1: Brennan Johnson for Forest that's a brave shout in there he as is. well. Back the bit... against Everton.
0: The that let him down was his back line, so he'd done pretty well to be fair. He would have had a decent week if not. Um, midfield for me and for Cossie was the kind of light area there. And you pretty much kind of performed in all areas because you had Saliba, midfield, Pereira, De Bruyne, Ward, Proulx, and Haaland, and Jesus up front. You had Trippier on the bench,
1: which would have given you yeah, I know. Alexander City. You think, yeah, but. So we'll go on to him later on. There we go. Um, and fair to say as well,
0: just following on from that, so that was the fantasy Premier League update. Bet builder mentions, um, Paddy Power had the free five pound, um, bet builder for the United Liverpool game last night. Fair to say, well, mine certainly flopped. I don't know if you did one yourself.
1: Oh, um, mine flopped big time. I had yeah. Liverpool plus two and all that sort of thing.
0: Um, and I don't think i Team pod one done too well on
1: Saturday either,
0: so that was another week wasted, and that's all I've got to say on that. Uh, in terms of transfer market, well, since the last pod, Morgan Gibbs White Wolves to Forest for I mean, (laughs) outrageous money that's ridiculous money. I mean,
1: 45 million was it 45 million in total? I mean, yep, that is. I mean, that that's shit crazy, point. that is. That is Chelsea-level crazy,
0: that is. I mean, yeah, less said about that, the better.
1: <laughs> um,
0: Nunes, obviously, the big talking point from Sporting to Wolves. I actually, I mean, that's a decent sign, and he's been well quartered in Europe the last couple of seasons. Uh, potentially, they're a really big signing for them. Caught me by surprise, to be fair, but then I guess he's the replacement for Morgan Gibbs-White, who plays in a similar yeah. position. Yeah. Um, Today, Emerson, the wing-back, has been sold to West Ham from Chelsea, um, which, you know, he's been a stranger in the last couple of seasons for Chelsea. Fringe player out, so I guess for Chelsea, that's good to get him off the books. Um Triore, Plays well for
1: Italy. Say that again? Plays well for Italy. Yeah, he Plays does. for Italy. He he I mean, that's a strange one. I mean, that could be a good sign of a West Ham.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Potentially, it'll be interesting to see what Moyes does there. And then the big transfer news story, um, I guess the biggest one outside of the craziness of Morgan Gibbs-White, was uh, Casemiro. Who'd have ever thought you'd seen leave Real Madrid? But he has left Real Madrid and, as of yesterday, is now officially a Manchester United player. Um, We will come on to them
1: later, but on paper, potentially a big signing for United, that one. He's won everything in Spain, won the Champions League last year. He's a big stable in that midfield. I think Real Madrid will miss him short term, but then they they don't need to replace him as they've already built on that. As for United, though, he, he plugs a big hole for him short term, but whether his motivation is there, we shall see. But we will come on to that later. Indeed, indeed. Right then.
0: Last batch of games, then let's go for it so we've got five more games to cover um again we'll start with televised ones that are left um, Six gold thriller, and I think this probably caught everyone off guard Newcastle three, man city three. I mean, we had this conversation kind of pre well pre weekend, and Scott alluded to it as well that he wasn't that impressed on paper with Newcastle's starting eleven, And I'm actually inclined to agree because apart from, you know, the addition of Botman and Bruno Gamares, who they got in last season, and obviously Trippier, I still think the rest of the team is kind of, you know, you could find any one of those players in an established kind of 9th, 10th, 11th, downwards mid-table Premier
1: League team. Um maximum... I, I think he's a top six quality player. Well, I said you know, this last year. I think he's he's like Will Zaha in many ways, really. Well, let's really. He's, he's, there is a lot of comparison there between the two? He needs to score more goals, but oh yeah, and but he's starting to show he's got that final ball in this game. Well, let's get on. He's to that starting there, to think he, about it a little bit. He he
0: was arguably, I'd say, their best player on Sunday.
1: Um, Oh, head and shoulders almost. Had a
0: massive, well, he showed as well the way to hurt Man City is to run in behind them. So, disgust because he did flourish and he got two assists as well, didn't he? Yeah,
1: I don't think there's no big secret. The biggest weakness of City is you've got to run at him. It's a case of you've got to have the ball to run at them. But I mean, Carl Walker did get turned inside out, which not a lot of players do to him nowadays. So, he did well on his own and how City turn and turn up, he kind of leave them one-on-one. So he did take full advantage of it. But yeah, I, I like the team is a little bit funny. It's like players that have been in relegation battles in years gone by mm-hmm. in the likes of Dan Byrne and Nick Pope. I know we had the joke on all social media about, him. I mean, Callum Wilson has been relegation battles you know, Joe Willock, he's been in and out. I mean, Trippier's been there, done that with everyone. But even look on the bench, Ryan Fraser, Matt Ritchie, Chris Wood, Longstaff, uh, he's, the cells, It's they are relegation battle players. But you had one or two quality players and the job that Eddie Howe is doing, you know, he's elevating them way above the limit. They seem to be up for a fight, especially at home. I think the fans definitely are backing them now since these new owners come in. If things stay as
0: they are in the transfer window, it's well documented that they're obviously after an attacking type player, I feel, um, which they haven't got yet because they're rightfully standing their ground in terms of the transfer fees that they're willing to pay. They're not being, mm-hmm. you know, they're not being messed around. Realistically, for Eddie Howe, how far can he take the team as it currently is in its current state? So, if they weren't to make any new signings, I mean, are it's, you taking
1: into are you taking into the start of the season up till now as a factor?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm talking about this season in general. Obviously, with three games in, they've just come off the back of an outstanding result against Man City. They're currently sixth in the table. They've got five points from their first three games. The current squad, has it got enough in the tank to maybe break the mould and finish in that top eight?
1: or Oh, top eight, they, top or, eight, yes. Or do they need more? Or do they need more? I think they need more to push a Europa League spot. They definitely need more because I don't think you can rely on Callum Wilson because inevitably he'll either hit a slump or he'll get injured. Um, and Almiron, I don't think is quite That level, but they've got a foundation in that midfield and that defense now, and obviously the experience of Trippier. So, and it it depends how long Eddie Howe keeps working miracles. If they lose a couple of games in a row, that will test their strength and their character,
0: yeah,
1: and it will show who's the leaders in that team and who can drag them up. I was thinking about this before the game and I know
0: Scott mentioned it in the, you know, our pod crew but I, I feel like with them the only thing for me is they're only ever an injury away namely Callum Wilson mm. from really being that mid-table kind of bottom half type team because yes they've got danger men in terms of Almiron and uh, St Maximam but Wilson is the one that's going to bag the goals and I just feel like that's the area, that's going to be the difference between them breaking that lower mid-table and getting into top eight. And I feel like at the minute, if I'm honest, I think, in my opinion, I think there are a couple of players away from breaking into top eight. I think that might be a bit rich for them this season. But that's based on the current here and now. That could change in a couple of weeks' times once the window is closed.
1: I, I still think they might get top eight with Eddie the riding the wave. I think... Especially at home, that atmosphere was electric. And I think I did play a factor on Sunday. As for City, cause for concern? Alarm bells ringing or just... Well, it shows the defence is not as strong as it used to be. I mean, I look at the squad. I mean, Laporte is currently injured. He's kind of been in and out. John Stones, I don't think Pep fully trusts him. He's now relying on Nathan Ake to step up. I mean, Diaz was benched for some reason on this one, which really threw me. Season's had a strong start to season. I think City just believed that they could just turn up and win this one. I think we did see a little glimpse of that top gear that Man City have in them, where you're 3-1 down away from home. You drag it back to 3-3 three, three, and probably coulda have, shoulda have won it. So I think we've seen a little glimpse of what City could potentially hit that top if they hit that top gear, how scary that could be going forward.
0: Yeah. No, I'm with you. I don't think it's cause for concern for City as such, but it does show there, as you say. Defensively, they can be got at if you go, but but as you say, the key is getting the ball off And That is the you know that is always the. Um...
1: Also, I think in terms of one player in particular, and Bernardo Silva, I think they need the window shut because his head. I don't think his head's in it. Well, it showed on Sunday huh? where it was kind of half-assed person. And normally, he's one of the first to run at you, isn't he?
0: Along yeah.
1: with Foden and that, they're like little packs, is not they? Well, and it should kind of half-assed.
0: It shouldn't be a talking point for me. I mean, Barcelona and the situation there is for another podcast, but I just, I've, I, I don't understand why that would impact him so much when I get there's... It has, shown it home, has but, impacted
1: him though, isn't it? But I
0: mean... Well, he wants to go back home apparently and he's slightly homesick, but I mean, you know, there must be better options for him than Barcelona after at the four moment, or but,
1: five years? I mean, Yeah. Okay. I don't know, strange one, but... We shall see.
0: Um. Well, well, well. We talked about one half of Manchester there. The other half were in action last night. And um, wow, is all I can say. I don't think anyone expected, well, let alone the result, but never the performance.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I love the fact that the media have all of a sudden forgotten that Man United would like... There's no hope given... And now, all of a sudden, all oh, of evolution has started. They're now starting. Martinez is a big signing now. He's got this big partnership going with Varane. Liverpool were terrible. Well,
0: let's talk about that first because a lot has been said about United. And I mean, let, let's put it in short with United United, in terms of application and attitude, fully deserve that result. Um, mm-hmm. Varane. And uh, Martinez did put in a shift. I thought they both did. I think it,
1: I think it kind of highlights how good of a manager Ten Hag can be if you give him the right chances after you know all this talk of them running, what, eight and a half miles, what was it, 13 kilometres? Yeah. After well, the Brentford game, it showed what kind of manager he's not going to take no shit. Well, it, it said a
0: lot for a manager to drop your most expensive defender and Cristiano Ronaldo in a big game like that, and at the end of the game, but I,
1: I, I listened to Sean Jordan earlier. I, I agree with him. Ronaldo's not fit and ready, and Maguire's not in the right headspace. He hasn't been for months.
0: Oh, agreed. So I fully me, agree. Like
1: for me, he had to drop him earlier. If anything,
0: well, I, I, I do agree to a point, but I mean, on paper, it takes a lot for a manager to do that. Because if they were 2-0 down at Old Trafford after 10 or 15 minutes, oh, then the Daggers oh. would have been out for 10 hard But, you know, he backed himself um, and backed his decision. Didn't feed the media narrative. Um, or, sorry, did feed the media narrative in terms of dropping Ronaldo again, because, of course, that was a massive talking point. But it was justified in the selection. Um, attitude-wise, complete contrast to Brentford and Brighton games. um, on the flip side, and let's come on to it now, because I feel like this is a bigger talking point, because this is something we all knew about United and the season they were going to have and how up and down it's been. But Liverpool, after three games, I mean, you know, two points from three games, already seven points off the, you know, off you at, in top with Arsenal in top, already five points. Five points, point fine city's a big one. You know, they, they've played away to Fulham, at home to Palace, and now away to United. We've alluded to it numerous times. Scott has, I have, over the last few podcasts and you know when we've discussed Liverpool in the past as well. No doubt about it, their biggest weak point is that midfield. And that arguably was a red flag from the beginning of last season. I, so we're two seasons ahead
1: and that hasn't been addressed. Um, it's not just the midfield, though. I think the defence um, needs highlighting a bit more. Well, let's... Interestingly, you say that. There's a stat... It, what was it, the stat I heard? Because I was out... Ironically, I was out watching this game and the more United fans turned out for this one. And they've gone... They've conceded the first goal in, what, the last five, six Premier League games? If I'm not right. Or something similar like that. And this is coming from a defence that has, arguably, one of the best defenders in the world, and Virgil van Dijk. Well, this is this was my main talking point
0: because I feel like back half of last season and going into this season, Virgil van Dijk has gone from the most courted and sought-after defender in Europe and I feel like his form has dropped off a cliff and none more so than the first goal of Jaden Sancho. What on earth is oh. he doing just standing watching with his hands um, his back.
1: Yeah, what, you surely, you've got to get out to him. I mean, he's got all the time I mean, in the world, wanted, Sancho, in the, on the penalty spot and has been shown where to put the ball by Bruno. And he's just standing there going, okay, you, you have a crack.
0: It was unbelievable. Milner's reaction said it all. There was obviously frustration there. There's obviously something not quite right. Um, But they're going to need to address it pretty quickly because I feel like teams are going to smell blood with Liverpool. And I'm not being funny as much as how good their front three potentially could be, the midfield and defence so far. I mean, Alexander-Arnold's another one dropping... I mean, he was nowhere to be seen last night. That team, given the three games that they've started the season with, they should be on at least, you know, okay. Tops, you get a point at Old Trafford, but, you know, losing to Fulham on the first game of the season and then dropping points to Palace. I mean, I
1: mean they were all over you last week and yet you had one shot, one goal. Well, good, this is it.
0: Uh, and the second <laughs> half could have been completely different as well. You know, they, they as you said, they're all over us like a rash in the first half, but it changed in the second
1: half. I was kind of glad to see Rashford and Sancho get on the score sheet. You know, Rashford needed that. Um, oh,
0: massive boot. I mean, when you consider the form he's been in, that finish was outrageous to be honest. But now and that,
1: that, that could now set him off on a run where he could be back to well form he needs to up. be
0: he needs to be, you know, they need to Manchester United need to get the best out of that squad because that squad has failed over the last couple of seasons. That is Ten Hag's brief now. And hopefully mm. with this game, and you mentioned Rashford there as well. That's got to be the springboard now, but that performance has to be the benchmark every single week. There's, you know, as the pundit said, and as we always say, it's, you know, about doing it consistently. And Ten Hag has now got final yeah, to find. a Yeah, I that.
1: mean, I think Ronaldo and that whole situation is still a mess. I, feel, I think that needs to be sorted out. But if he is to stay, I think Ronaldo's got to, you know, have have a word of himself and think about think about it and think. Right, I'm thirty seven. I've had a brilliant career, one of the best careers ever. Let these guys in front of me take over. You know, I'll be in the background. I'll give them my voice. You know, coach them somewhat. He could be Ten You know, a tenant on the on the pitch for some games. But I just look at Rashford, Sancho, Alango. I think is a great player, full of potential. Um, Martial. They're saying he's come. He's This is the season that could be for him where he could have that breakthrough year for Man United.
0: Mm.
1: You know, there's a lot of players in there that Ronaldo's kind of sitting in that position, be like, no, this is still mine. Mm -hmm. I think the way Man United move forward is if Ronaldo steps back and they let these guys, these young guys who are willing to work, who want to work and want to succeed, press on. I mean, for
0: both clubs, I mean, fortunately for Liverpool, they've got Bournemouth at Anfield next, I think. So probably a a welcome, reprieve game to come back to. Um, And as for United, um, they are up against uh, Southampton away, which... I I mean, that could
1: go back to hell. That could go back to, you know, square one if they lose that one.
0: Well, let's go back to – because you never know what you're going to get with Southampton, and uh, mm. that leads us nicely on to the next game. So, that is all the televised games wrapped up now. Um, so, just quickly, last three games to go through. So, Leicester-Southampton, um, Leicester at home, Manson on the score sheet again. He's been in fine form this season, carried on from the back end of last season. Uh, Southampton, though, again, up and down, up and down. You can't really predict how they're going to go. No. Um, one nil down against Leicester you probably felt like at that point it was kind of cruise control for Leicester and the same again here we are Che Adams comes on and um, out of nowhere gets a brace and um, well I we, mean Southampton had a goal disallowed as well I think um, if I'm not mistaken so I mean Twofold here, I've said it all the time. Southampton, I think it's gonna be one of those up and down seasons because of the They are one of Tennessee. them
1: teams, isn't they? They're just gonna you just don't know what you're gonna get from them. They're like a box of chocolates at Christmas, isn't you? You just don't know. <laughs> you don't Could know, do you? That's why know. I had them no, in my table. True. I had them where they are in about 12th, 13th because they won't get relegated because they'll still do enough to stay up. But then they'll get battered eight nil. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's it's one of them. But Leicester. Big issues, big problems. Um, yeah. I mean we've spoken about it
0: numerous times. Obviously, for Farnar, the problem with Chelsea isn't going away. Manderson, Telemans, Telemans has been yeah, and the talk of Arsenal's resurfaced again today. Mm-hmm. Manderson, the talk has calmed down. Talk of him actually signing a new contract, which I think will be a plus for them. But Leicester is becoming critical because there's nine days left of the window, whatever seven or eight days left of the window. If Fafana is to go, if Tillemans is to go, they need replacements and they need bodies. Because, I mean, one point from three
1: games... I it, still feel it, sorry for your boy, Daka, and Ian Acho, who's still on the bench for 36-year-old Jamie Vardy. It's just not... And he's just signed
0: a new contract. It's a, but it's just oh, right, not good right. enough. It's just got not, not good enough. And they... I fear for them this season. We, we spoke about it numerous times last season, that this was a transition period for them.
1: Yeah, they'll be happy to just stay in the league, I think, at this point. Um... I mean,
0: does Rogers even make it to the after the first? I mean I mean the next three games are away to Chelsea, at home to Man United, and away to Brighton. I mean, you with a former Brighton we can come onto in a sec with Man United, if if that's not a false dawn and with Chelsea, I know Chelsea are inconsistent, but away to Stamford Bridge and with the fallout from Fafana potentially this week cutting into it. Mm. But you've got to fear yeah. for them. Um, on to Palace Villa. Comfortable, comfortable win for Palace. Could have been more, should have been more. Villa though, I mean, big win for Palace because that is their first win of the season off the back of the point against Liverpool. So in that respect, big game for Palace. Um, but after being a goal down so early on, Villa just spoke about it last week I don't want to sound like a bracket on record but
1: what is villa's best front lineup I don't I don't understand they drop Watkins one week brings and then the vice versa
0: and then they, and they go in a game the transfer and then they yeah.
1: drop Coutinho. he comes in and out Bailey comes in and out I don't I don't understand who what's their best line and then I see this week. To solve the problems after the fallout for this game, you think, oh, they need defenders, possibly someone in midfield. They go after another attacker and another winger.
0: For me, it reeks of Gerard not knowing his best eleven and how to utilise the best out of his squad. And unfortunately for Gerard, as much as success he had at Rangers, I think he's been found out in the Premier League. And I don't think... Look, Villa, there's no doubt about it, have loads of good individual players, but you, you've got to be able to, you know... They got Kamara from Marseille, who was highly quartered across Europe. But if you're not getting the best out of that squad, you know, that is arguably you've got,
1: out of all you've, the bottom half teams, the best individual pound for pound, the best I think squad um, you can one have. one thing that hasn't been mentioned enough of um since the start of the year, and I think it's a big problem, is he took the captaincy off Tyler Mings and he dropped him for whatever reason we haven't heard of yet. Well, I felt like he's done okay, but I don't think he's deserved the treatment he's been getting. For your new defender, in Doug, uh, Diego Carlos, who, okay, you'd think you dropped drop concert for. He then gets potentially a season-ending injury and you have to play Taiwan Mings. That's a big problem for me.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree, and I think... The fact that he well, even last week, he backed down from his mm, decision, yes, didn't he? Yes. Over Mings, you know, so to so to decide to drop him, then bring him back into the fold, and it's the same with Ollie Watkins as well. Because Ollie Watkins, you know, Danny's got the nod of head of him yeah. a fair few times. Um, I, I don't know, I think with Gerard, I think his days are numbered. I yeah, really with do, that squad, and I also I
1: mean, do, but
0: um they've got to be doing better and someone's got to come in and get the right balance to the squad because if after that performance they're thinking the star from Watford is the answer when they've got Leon Bailey, Coutinho, Ings, Watkins mm. um, to name a few I I don't see where they're going with that I honestly don't I don't get what the vision is um, last but not least and it is not the best till last Brighton fans in case you get excited and wonder why they're last because it most definitely is not that although in fairness, again A team in form, seven points from three games. Um, Cossie, a.k.a. Mystic Meg, we all laughed at him for saying that West Ham will finish 13th or 14th. Tell you what. you all laughed at me. Well, I have to say,
1: you're not laughing now, are you?
0: But here we are, three games in, no goals scored, and five goals conceded, and...
1: I tell you what, I mean, I mean, whatever crystal meth he was smoking, he could see right in the future, can't he? West Ham, what is... Is it a hangover from last year a little bit? Because he's has definitely been crying out for signings and crying out for, you know, players to come in and freshen the team up. But so far, the signings he's made have come on the bench and they're not making an impact. He's still going with Antonio ahead of Scamacca. I think is built ready for the Premier League. I don't know if there's a bit of naivety where they just think, oh, we'll just play around a little bit and they'll just tick. I think they need to kick up the arse, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, they looked, they just it was disjointed. They look, I mean, they looked tired. And Antonio obviously isn't the long-term answer anymore for centre forward. I know he had that purple patch for him, but he clearly, mm. even, and that's why Scramac has been bought in, obviously. Yeah. Um Obviously, Emerson's been brought in to play wing-back as well. But, you know, bigger picture, we're talking about now in the current season, um, that's one win in 10 league games now. um, And that last win was against Norwich.
1: I mean, they've got another European run as well. I think they played on Thursday again as well. So a lot of them players have got a lot of games in a short space of time. I wonder if that's crept up on them a little bit. On the flip side with Brighton, they seem to keep going and going and riding the wave of a very good start. I mean,
0: look, the thing is, they, they are playing well and they seemingly maybe are recruiting well, but they had this start to the season last season and dropped off, didn't they? So it'll be interesting to see if they carry this through. Obviously, they've got the money from... Remains to be seen if they're going to reinvest the money that they've got. their business. It's
1: just so... It, it's first but class, their business. I mean, you can't argue it. You get 63 million for Cucurella, and it just looks like they've just found someone that will just slot in straight away, or, you know, just to have one of their better players go like that and just be like, oh, okay, that's fine. Yeah. So you- I mean, even Basuma as well for 25 million, and they're still finding that Casado looks a player. Gross has started off like a house on fire. I mean, Adam Lallana, I think, has got better chance of playing a bit more now. Brighton, they look good.
0: Yeah, and I you mean, their games, their game's coming up as well. They've got, um, well, they're at home to Leeds. They've got, I mean, to be fair, if you look at the next run of five or six fixtures, um, home to Leeds, away to Fulham, at home to Leicester, away to Bournemouth, or, uh, home to Palace. That's the next, what,
1: five That's games? That's a good run of games leading up to your game.
0: It's a very similar run to what they had last season in terms of the kind of points and ratio they picked up. So, you know, Grain Pot's doing a good job. I can't deny that. That pains me to say that. Um, um, but, you know, they've recruited well. They've got some good youngsters coming. Well, you know, good young recruiters that they've kind of brought in to replace certain players. So it's over to them this year. Welbeck has to be said his resurgence this year as well. He looks strong. Yeah,
1: he signed a new deal
0: this year as well. He looks stronger than ever. Gross, obviously, has turned up for the early part. So, look, they did the same last season um, and then they came unstuck. And that could well happen again this season. And the example of that was in the Newcastle game last week where they dominated the game and didn't get what they wanted from it. They got a point instead of three points and they should have won that one. Um, So, look, they're going to have to be more consistent. They still... Goal scoring has always been an issue for them and that you could argue is still the case because they have only scored four goals despite their dominance in games. In three games, they've scored four goals. And, you know, it's always been the story with them. XG output higher on paper and it's actually lower in real time. So that's obviously an area they're going to have to address. Um, But as I say, three games gone, seven points for them, you know, flying in their respect. But West Ham... Sitting rock bottom, I don't think anyone saw that. And certainly, well, look, if anyone can turn it around with Moise, but certainly over the next couple of weeks, with an eye on Europe as well. He's got to get smacker in and settled, and he's got to get him um Emerson's obviously come in and the rest of them, and, you know, he's got to find a way to get the new signings in and uh, get them uh, get them on a, a higher mm-hmm. foot, which isn't going to be easy. But when, you know, they're not too far away, I don't think it would take much. Look, they're not going to get relegated, but, you know, Quite plausibly, ironically, Cossey could be correct in that it could be a, uh, a bit of a mid-table, mediocre, uh,
1: which could three. lead to struggles. Maybe keeping hold of their better players, i.e., Declan Rice. Well,
0: that is something else that's not been muted, but I, I can't see them uh, selling. But I can't see him selling them this side of the window. But you're right. Um, moving
1: forward, if they don't get back into you, if they're not, you know, Declan Rice will be looking at it. As- not just for his own career, but going forward with the national team, because he is a fixture in that team, he's going to look at it and think, I need to be playing top level football. And that yeah. is what Europe, you know. Yep.
0: So, well, it'll make it interesting come as uh, so I don't think between the World Cup and Jam, but certainly for the summer. Afterwards, yes, yeah, is um, what I'm
1: saying. If they have a dodgy it. year this year, it could.
0: Well, I think, Come it will back, nail it. I think it will nail it if they finish mid-table. I think even the likes of Schmacker and stuff, if they reproduce form, you know, a few clubs could sniff around the bigger mm. players. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Well, that's 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 a wrap. And I think in summary, it's fair to say that this season so far has thrown up a fair few surprises. So. Long may it continue. Next week, which will be pod 58, we've got Southampton United, so we'll see if United managed to continue um, to lift off from the result last night. Um, we'll see if your boys, um, well they should do in theory, um, switch it on again against Fulham Isn't at the Emirates. Um, not as straightforward as you make out. Well, we'll see. I feel like you're being a bit humble there, but we shall see. Well played. Um, Wolves-Newcastle, big game for both clubs, really. See how far Newcastle can come and Wolves need that win. And a tough one for Tottenham. Road out against Wolves this week, but they're away to Forest. So, um, they're the four games to keep on the on the box next weekend. Thanks for joining us, Cook. Um, that was pod 57 and I will see the rest of you next week. Cheers.
1: Thank you for listening to Total Football Debate Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. It would mean the world to us if you could spread the word regarding our show and leave us a rating so we know how we're doing. Also, please, please, please interact with us on social media, especially on Twitter at TFDebate, where we'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions on any of the topics we discuss each week. You never know, we may even get you on the show to say hello. Thanks again for listening and keep an ear out for the next episode.